Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to The God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. Bill, my soundboard is broken on my computer, apparently. Uh-oh. So no sound effects for me, for now, anyway. Might have to reboot the computer. We are the world-famous God Whispers. <laughs> As usual, I am experiencing technical difficulties. Hey, there it goes. Wow. All right. Just started playing on its own after I clicked on it. Cool. You may be asking, Craig, why are you playing Love Shack on the God Whispers? (laughs) Craig, why are you playing Love Shack on the God Whispers? I'm glad you asked because I am proclaiming this our special Valentine's Day edition of the God Whispers. Now, last Valentine's Day edition that we had, I think, was uh, we we did a little YouTube action where, uh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that when we learned about the joys of Amarillo? Ah, yes. Wow. <laughs> that was an unexpected result. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling pretty good that it's not just me. Inquire it's, it's, no more, you feral beast. All right, we're all set. Now we're good. <laughs> we're, it's, it's all working, more or less. Oh, our operations guy, Gary, is, I'm going to hear about this from him. <laughs> we, we, just had a, <laughs> we, we just had a programming meeting, and uh, uh, I learned about all the, all the stupid things that I do on air. So uh, the, this is just oh. simply one more hour of Craig's stupidity no, on air. Actually, I think when they, when they refer to this hour, that's just in block a stupid thing. <laughs> that you do on air so you know it, that's easily dealt with but but uh some of the other things you know those are detailish but there's that hour the, the god whispers hour. <laughs> the whole hour yeah that's that's a stupid thing that you do on air and um you know i realized i didn't push my my recording button here so speaking uh, of stupid things i, I uh <laughs> i may i may be coming to you for recording of this uh this, this uh, episode these, these things happen you know we we, we managed to do this uh, by the way if you want to call the god whispers hotline and leave a message there 626-593-7713 which spells manly doctors 13 and we are the manly doctors of divinity also if you would like to call the program I just turned around. Ginny isn't there yet. Uh, but hopefully our call screener will be in shortly. Hopefully. Area code 314-8210-850 or 1-800-730-2727. You can call. There she is. Hi, Ginny. Good to see you. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me do that one more time here. 1-800-730-2727. And you can join the Manly Doctors in live conversation. Do so at your own risk. You've been warned. So, so easily distracted. Godwhispers.org is the mothership. Uh, you are welcome, welcome and encouraged to uh, peruse the archives, all 253 uh, episodes of Wrong Things That Craig Does on the Air. 
You are a sad, strange little man. <laughs> I'm glad your soundboard's working again. Me too. And uh, if you want to email us, which we love, we love yes, the email. Yes, we do. We, we, we thrive on the email. We're, we're older guys, you know. We we don't do the Twitter things so much. And what, what are the kids doing now? They have all kinds of ways of communicating that I've long checked out on. It, you know, you know, there's there's the whole Instagram Instagrams. Thing, I'm, yes. I'm still that has trouble written out. all over it. I can't see anything good coming out of that one. But yes. but uh, yes, no, we, no. But you can you may email us at godwhispers at gmail dot com. And as long as you're on the podcast site, uh, please peruse the uh, GW Swag Store for all your GW Swag needs. You, you okay I'm, with the, I'm doing that. I'm you, doing that on purpose. Are you, here. are you okay with the paperwork over there? I, I am. You know, I've just got stuff stacked up here that uh, rumor has it we might actually get to. But you've <laughs> you've warned me not to not to no. plug all this stuff too much because I'll I'll give us a raft of like I, I mean I've got like eight articles in front of me or something like no, that. No, no. See, this, we'll be lucky to get to one. This is That's, a pro, this is a broadcasting error that you make repeatedly and that is you tell the listeners ahead of time what we're going to talk about and then we never get to it. So our credibility, we lose credibility. <laughs> which is kind of like a joke to begin with. We but, we had it um at one time. We did. Now, do I understand you correctly that this is this is I don't want to hold I don't want a whole episode on the feast of Saint Valentine. No, no, that, no, that, no, no, no. Are we no, going down that no, road? No, no, no. Uh, we we may or may not get to this article here, which marriage. What's love got to do with it? Historically, very little. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to maybe getting to that one. Don't get your hopes up too much. That, that would be apropos of the feast of uh, Saint Valentine. Do you realize that that Saint Valentine actually makes it into the commemorations in Lutheran service book? I did not know that, but on another program that I do, I had Walt Snyder on the other night. Oh yeah, uh, talking about Saint Valentine. I'm not convinced that Saint Valentine actually existed. Well, nobody actually knows who he is. There, there are three candidates in in the running for for who the guy actually was, and and um, everything about him is is purely fabricated legend. But but uh, but if you look like it. For my source for all things Catholic is the Catholic Encyclopedia, you know that Advent Encyclopedia. But there are three three potential uh, front runners for Valentine. But but here he appears, or all three of them. I can't. I don't know. Maybe it should be the the commemoration of Saints Valentines uh, on on Roman Plural. Roman numeral page twelve of Lutheran Service Book, February fourteenth, Valentine, comma martyr. So apparently, at least some of the legends that have grown up about our beloved Saint Valentine uh, have to do with his martyrdom, which which is not hmm, that, that that's not a terribly um, romantic notion. I you know I'm not sure what exactly he had to do with the whole love thing, except he supposedly allowed uh, or or arranged it so that uh, soldiers who weren't supposed to be married could get married or yes, something like that. Yes, that. this is a popular uh, account of St. Valentine of Rome. You've got to be specific right, because there are right. like three of them floating around. That he was imprisoned for performing weddings for soldiers who were forbidden to marry and for ministering to, ester- his, uh, for ministering to Christians who were persecuted. Uh, according to legend, during his imprisonment, he healed the daughter of his jailer, Asterius. So there. 
Very good. An embellishment to this story states that before his execution, he wrote her a letter signed Your Valentine as a farewell. Oh. <sighs> yeah, the, the, I, um, it, I, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, Chaucer, you can blame Chaucer for bringing this into the, uh, the, the realm of romantic love. Chaucer. You know, you know romantic love is just another uh, gussied up name for Eros. Okay, it That's, is. I mean, it's just it, this. It is, is. It's just. It's, I, I it's just. We've it's, always understood that that it's erotic arrows. desire with with lacy frills on it. Which you know, some people. I I don't know, but but but, uh, um, and of course, of course, Craig. Where else but 18th century England does this all come to its fullest of fruition? Leave it to the Victorians. Yeah, they they did a lot of violence to culture in general. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the the Victorians tried to bring romance into marriage, which is that's a that that's a real mistake right there. <laughs> Are you going to get Paula anything for Valentine's Day, Craig? I, I guess I better get her a card or something. Yeah. But uh, I don't. What about Karen? You you got any big plans? We have an agreement. Uh, this agreement uh, was long before we got married that we don't do this one. So the expectations are mighty. I'm gonna get her a mylar balloon um, or something. We're planning to eat in. We're, we we have a nice dinner planned. I took Paula out for barbecue the other night, so I think she's pretty well set for the week. Ah, good. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go anywhere near the restaurants on Valentine's Day. You, you have a lot of, you know, you have guys under siege. You, you could tell. You know, it's kind of an interesting look. You see all the guys kind of walking around looking for a card or a thing of flowers at about four thirty-five in the afternoon on February fourteenth, and the, the the look is just haunted. The, these 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 men are desperate, you know. But I nope. always love it how the florist will will do a two for one deal. You can get like two dozen roses for the price of one, and and I think that's really great because you can give flowers to your wife and your girlfriend. So. <laughs> careful now, careful that. See, that's the kind of stuff that those meetings are about, Craig. Ah, uh, yes, yes. You're yes. Gonna, ne- at next week's meeting, you're going to hear about that. What you they, said. On the day before Valentine's Day. Yeah, well, uh, address the hate mail to Rod Zwanit, sir. (laughs) The Eastern Orthodox Church also celebrates Valentine's Day, but in typical typical Eastern Orthodox fashion. Typical. You from Argentina? (laughs) Yeah, well, um, they uh, celebrate on a different day. You know, they've always got to be different. And they have two, uh, July 6th and July 30th. Uh, July 6th belongs to the Roman Presbyter, St. Valentine, and uh, July 30th to the Hero Martyr Valentine, Bishop of Interamna. Interamna? Modern Terni, wherever that is. No one knows. In Brazil, and they know how to party. Brazil. They know how to party in Brazil. This is true. Uh, the Dia de São Valentim is recognized on June 12th. So uh, he gets a lot of airplay in the church. Nobody knows who he is. There are three floating around that bear that name. And the legend has it that he performed weddings for soldiers forbidden to marry. So we can suffice it to say this way, he was martyred for upholding marriage. Okay. There you I go. I guess we could go there. There you go. Was Where, it, wasn't Valentinius a heretic? No. That, <laughs> yeah, yes. It, yes, he was. That was one of the Gnostic heretics. So could, could not he just attribute it to him? Not to be confused with Craig. 
No, don't confuse him with me. <laughs> no, no, there was a comma there. You didn't see oh, it. Oh, I... Punctuation. <laughs> Punctuation counts. God whispers care. We do. Um, I think we should go to the mailbag. Let's. The God Whispers mailbag brought to you by Hershey's Kisses. Oh, nice. See what I did there? You remember those? Whoops, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I meant Quality to, radio, folks. I, I, Quality I, I, radio. I meant to do this. Ah, the duck fade. Very nice. Not to confu- be confused with Duck Dynasty. Speaking of, uh, David writes, Manly Doctors, a couple of items on chaplains and guns. Chaplains and guns. Two of your favorite topics right there, Craig. One. I like chaplains and guns, yes. Okay, here we go. Um, one, I'm an Army Reserve chaplain, and I can tell you, that they are strictly forbidden to carry weapons. So once again, I'm vindicated. Uh, has it has it happened through various wars that a chaplain was found with a weapon in hand? Yes, but that isn't the norm, and it is against regulations. He has to say that. I like. <laughs> nice. I, I like the response of one of my chaplain friends to his commander while in Afghanistan. He wanted the chaplain to hide a weapon in his backpack just in case. The chaplain would not do that, and he dissuaded the CO by by explaining, "Sir, if I ever need a weapon, there will be plenty of them on the ground." That's a pretty good uh, response there, actually. Yes, that is. That, that is good military protocol. Uh, or if two, you're a Navy chaplain, you can just say, I will point my Marine at it, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, right, that's right. As to guns in general, when people carry concealed Conceal, when people carry concealed guns, they aren't walking around with armor-piercing bullet rounds, swirla, addressing me. Well, um, speak for yourself, pal. I don't... I don't I will neither confirm nor deny that I do. Okay. See, so again, I'm vindicated. <laughs> no. They carry hollow points. This is, yes. That are designed to stop within a body and not shoot through armor. Uh, do you think maybe my tongue was firmly planted in cheek when I said that? I mean, I may not be a gun owner, but I do know a thing or two about weaponry. C- civilians use guns hundreds of thousands of times every year for self-defense. Often the gun doesn't even need to be fired, but simply presented by the good guy. I don't think one presents a gun. I think one brandishes a weapon, if I'm not No, no, you you have a nice little glass-covered case. Oh, and you present uh, it? Here. May I present to you my my gun? gun. <laughs> so, so what Clint Eastwood did in those Dirty Harry movies when he stuck the 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 uh, the three fifty seven Magnum out the window of his car and said, "Make my day," he was presenting his gu- his gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, our communities would be safer with more legal gun owners, he says. Blessings, David. Over the line. <laughs> P.S. If you're ever down in my area, let me know, and I'll take you out to the shooting range I go to. While I don't bear arms in the Army, I do so as a civilian. As do many chaplains that I know. Yes. Funny that. But let me point this out. Any chaplain, by they have to say, of course, I would never carry a gun. (laughs) Well, that's the rule. That's Yeah. I mean, that's... It's like pastors, you know. There are just certain things you have to say, even if you don't actually do that. Uh Aha. Don't ask me what. I don't know off the top of my head. But, you know. It's simply just the rule. There you have it. 
Um, so, well, I, and actually, Nathan, this, Nathan, this this whole what? topic actually se- segues into something that, being someone who's been watching the Olympics, uh-huh. uh, I don't know if you've heard this hue and cry over the American couple uh, skaters, and they did a James Bond theme. Oh, he had a holster. He had. It wasn't even a holster. It was a piece of black cloth that looked like a holster, <laughs> and, and people are screaming bloody murder, like like. The violence of it all. You, it, it, you see how violent Americans are. Let a me piece just, of black cloth. It might go off. It, it was it was unusually manly for figure skating. I might add. This is true. But but so he had um, a, a symbolic holster. Yeah, and, and I would like to point out also that this guy grew up. Well, he was born in Russia. Well, and there his you go. Were from Russia, and I love his dad. Boris is his name, and he's he's over there in the stands in, with a big Uncle Sam, red, white, and blue shiny hat. I, America, <laughs> what a country! As in Luke Boris is moose with squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll let you go on to the next email. At this point, I was I was going to go look for something while you rambled. Ramble a little bit. I, I need to find something here. So, <laughs> so, what have you been watching in the Olympics, Craig? You know, uh, Paula has has been watching a lot of figure skating, and I have oh, been uh, kind of goofing around on the internet at the same time. But luge has been on, have, have and you... they got to the two man luge yesterday, and and I think I saw that in a gay pride parade video. Oh, from 1986. Care- careful now, careful, careful with that. I'm not sure. Look, here's the deal: you got two guys that weigh about 150 pounds each on a luge. Just put me on the stinking luge. Oh, it's gosh. not the same thing. You would, <laughs> one of you and two of them. <laughs> no, not one of me what? and two are of you them. Volunteering? Two of them or are, one of me. Are you going to be a one-man doubles team? Is that what you're saying? I'm, I am proposing the sport of sumo luging. <laughs> sumo. <laughs> no sled. Just diapers. Just, diapers. You must wear a diaper. Just just oil them up and and, 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 <laughs> and just send them down the chute. That that'd be you know, um speaking of strange costumes, what's with the pants in the curling? I uh, I haven't seen any curling yet. Oh, take a look. Just 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 go and and take a look at some of the photos of the curling competition. Is is this the U.S. team in particular? Uh, I'm thinking uh, the one that I saw on the news feeds was the Russian team. But I'm right. telling you, just just take a look at, when you got a moment. Take a look at the pants. I'm I'm googling and, it even as you speak, and and it is a frightening thing. I mean, the, curling itself bemuses me. I do not understand what it's doing in the Olympics, but those pants, really, um, really. I'm seeing the ladies curling. No, no, no. You look for men's curling, Russian team, and you tell me. Men's, men's, men's. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just seeing the ladies. Moving on. They're, they, they're quite attractive too. Oh. I see. They're kind of the uh, yeah. red, white, and blue kind of um, yeah checkered strange. Uh, let's let, let's imagine this. Let's These imagine are like golf pants. No I mean, worse. Like, you you wouldn't be allowed on a golf course with pants like that. Imagine they're this. like golf pants from 1968. Imagine your favorite Hawaiian shirt turned into pants. Ooh. I like the idea. I like where you're going. <laughs> Nathan writes, Dear Pastors, Swirl and D'Onofrio, collectors of fan- fanciful titles. What does he mean? The Reverend Dr. Swirla quoted Tom Lehrer's song, Lobachevsky, Don't Shade Your Eyes, Plagiarize, in the last episode of Shooting the Breeze, which leads to my question for the Manly Doctors, to what extent has the Vatican rag influenced your thoughts on the varying merits of contemporary worship styles? The Vatican rag? I don't know what he's talking about. I... Who made me the 
genius I am today, the mathematician that others all quote, who's the professor that made me that way? The greatest that ever got chalk on his coat. One man deserves the credit, one man deserves the blame, and Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky is his name. Hi, Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky. I am never forget the day <laughs> I first meet the great Lobachevsky. Fierced. In one word, he told me the secret of success in mathematics. Plagiarize. Plagiarize. Let no one else's work evagiarize. Remember why the good Lord made your eyes. So don't shade your eyes, but plagiarize, plagiarize, plagiarize. Only be sure. There you go. Oh, Billy. (laughs) (laughs) So much Where did that come from? Tom Lehrer. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, the the whole question about Vatican rag and, and I don't. Even know. I don't know. The, the, the merits of contemporary worship styles, I, I'm not sure. The Vatican rag, I, I, that might be a Tom Lehrer. Oh, that could be a Tom Lehrer song. Let, let's see. Mm. Let, I, let, me, let me do a little bit of research on Google that. Google that? <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm searching my library. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> but how has it influenced? The, the short answer, Nathan, it has not. Also, for the Reverend Dr. D'Onofrio, Canadians yes. aren't French. Canadians are not French. French Canadians do exist, but they're about as French as your English. Give it up. Keep up the content, he says. Okay, well. He probably says outside also in French words like that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, so much for the mailbag. I think, it, I, are French. I think it's I think it's time to uh, ask Craig some questions here. Oh no, ask Craig some questions. This, do we have the, any Wait, I do have some music for this. Where did it go? Oh yeah, music for uh, uh atheist atheist questions. There yeah, we go. These are atheist questions for Craig on the characteristics of God. Yes, this, this on the would, characteristics of God. This would be God. God's attributes. Craig, an all-knowing God can read your mind, so why does he require you to demonstrate your faith by worshiping him? He doesn't. Next question. What's the purpose of worshiping him if it's not to demonstrate your faith to God, which he already knows anyway? It's a sign of gratitude and also me receiving from him his grace and his mercy for a sinner like me. You see, worship isn't all sacrifice. There's also a lot of sacrament involved where I am receiving, not giving. We offer up our prayers. But we receive God's grace. You know, we have that with prayer, too, in our catechism, that God does these things without our prayer right? of itself. You know, if you keep reading the small catechism in the Lord's Prayer, you begin to ask the question, why do you even bother to pray? And so it's like an acknowledgment of what this question is actually about. God already knows what you need even before you ask him, Jesus said. So you still ask him. So why do you ask him? Paula is texting me. Don't you remember genuflect, genuflect, genuflect? The Vatican rag. I don't... I, oh, I, she's right. I vaguely remember. She, no, she's absolutely right. We're going to have to find that. We're going to have to find... I don't have that on my, on, in my Tom Lehrer collection, but, but no, she's right. Uh, Craig, if God is all-knowing, yes. why yeah. do holy books describe him as being surprised or angered by the actions of humans? He should have known all along what was going to happen. God knows the answer to that question. <laughs> but what does Craig say? I don't, it's not given me to know the mind of God. I don't know why it, it ticks him off. It, it, it is clearly the result of sin in the world that is a rebellion against him that ticks him off. 
Does he know that it's going to happen? I assume so. But foreknowledge does not equal predestination. Clearly, clearly this person who wrote this question has no children. You know, you know your kids are going to do something. And then when they do it, it still ticks you off. You know, yeah, there's it's a like, good point there. It's like you yeah. know, you know, your teenage son is going to wreck the car, and then when he does, you don't say, "Oh, I knew it all along." You know, gee, you, 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 you're ticked. Yeah, so I, I saw that coming. It's a lot like Ricky Ricardo and Lucy. Okay, he, he knew that that there there were going to be hijinks every every episode, but <laughs> he still got upset. It was it was written into the show. Uh, third, an all-knowing God knows who will ultimately reject him. So why does God create people whom he knows will ultimately wind up in hell? Ah, the crux of the allegorum. Why some and not others, huh? I guess. Uh, God created us to be in fellowship with him. He did not create us to go to hell. It, so the question is, why would God create people that he knows are going to go to hell? Is that the question? Well, since he knows who will ultimately reject him, and those who re- ultimately reject him wind up wind up in hell, why did he bother creating them in the first place? I, you know, that's the kind of question that will be answered in heaven. Uh, we don't have all the variables on that one. <laughs> we, yeah, we don't. Have, we have, don't have the variables. <laughs> that that's a great way to. That's a great. Way. It's, you, you, you know, know I mean, this ultimate... is not revealed to us through the Word of God, and so you know, this is the kind of thing that that keeps seminarians up all night. You know, banging their head against the wall because there is no answer to the question. I, I thought memorizing the crib sheets for their next exam kept them up all night. Well, that's didn't for that keep those you up all cared... night? <laughs> no, because no. I cared more about learning than my grades. Oh, um, that it, that's the, that's the excuse you're using now, right? <laughs> At least this week, I, it is. I cared more about learning. Uh, Craig, how holy come smokes, you're... we're over time. You know that? Are we? Yep, we'll be back. Welcome back to the God Whispers. That was Sparks, eaten by the monster of love. <laughs> Notice the whole Valentine thing going through here. Love Shack, I would do anything for love. Accidentally in, or I'm sorry, I didn't play that one. Eaten by the monster of love. I even have something special for when we go out today. You, so. you, you are amazing. Um, it, over the break, I was like, it, the Norwegian curling team has remarkable pants. Were those the red and blue and large checks? Yeah, the big, the, the large checks. Yeah, uh, the, I saw, I those saw. are those are the Norwegians are are really quite amazing. Now, um, do you think that the Czechs wear checks? Because that would be ironic, don't you think? I I, I don't know, but the the, uh, the the Miami Herald notes that uh, that curling is, is, is replacing uh, figure skating really as the center of haute couture. I, I think that there is still room for me in the Olympics, either in the sumo luge or 
possibly curling. I, I'm going to start training by mopping floors, and I think I think there might be hope for my future in this. <laughs> well, after that last meeting, you probably that the, the, there are probably a lot of other people who are agreeing. <laughs> hey, I notice. I notice. Speaking of festival days, that we missed one. Oh, uh, what yes, did we miss? Yesterday, February twelfth is Darwin Day. Yes, Darwin Day. Charles Darwin's two hundred and fifth birthday. I have an article for that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> really, I do. Happy Darwin Day. Darwin Day, February 12th. Uh, apparently, this started shortly after his death uh, in England as a celebration uh, in 1882. And uh, there are... Uh, actually, there, there, there are some resolutions. Around, uh, the Representative Rush Holt, Democrat, New Jersey, inst- introduced a resolution in Congress last month asking it to recognize February 12th as Darwin Day. Would that be an unpaid holiday? Uh, I, all I, all I, so long as you can barbecue, I really don't care. You know, maybe you should barbecue a, uh, an endangered species. You know, here, here's a question that I have, Bill, is if – I got that, by the way. Uh, if atheists get Christmas off, which is a, a holiday that's kind of opposed to their religion, should Christians get Darwin Day off? Well, I, I, I'm I'm in favor of any day off, uh, but but it wouldn't be for the same reason. Well, no, because baby Jesus wasn't born on Darwin Day. <laughs> of course, <laughs> Zazzle and Cafe Press offer Darwin Day cards, sampling "I Naturally Select You." <laughs> I get it. You know what? That's Let's cute. evolve together. There's another that's one. That's right? a good one. I like it. I, I I like that. And this being so close to Valentine's Day, I don't see why you couldn't kind of have a crossover. Merge the two. This this could become the Festivus of Valentine's Day. It could indeed, yeah. Uh Darwin Darwin. Day. According to the International Darwin Day Foundation, over ninety groups of atheists, humanists, and other free thinkers are holding local celebrations that run from potluck dinner, so-called phylum feasts, to nature outings, <laughs> lectures, book discussions, and film screenings. Now, do you eat phylo dough wrapped things on phylum day? Phylum. Phylum. Did you cut biology class? No, you, no, I, you dropped out of high school. Phylo sounds like phylum, no. so I would imagine that maybe you would find your endangered species that you are uh, suggesting that we devour. And uh, bake it in some phyllo. Just dough. remember, kind just, of a pot pie. Just, re- just remember that that when you when you are dining on that uh, that that higher animal, you're snacking on a cousin. Maybe one of your cousins. Common ancestry, but... baby. Can't can't <laughs> can't escape it. Well, and that's yeah, that's. Also, Craig, let, 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 let me ask you another question in in the spirit of the ask Craig all kinds yes. of meaningless questions. Can you actually tell the difference between common ancestry and common maker? Common ancestry and common maker. Well, uh-huh. Adam and Eve would be our common ancestors, and we were created with them by a maker. Well, a common maker, did you say? Yeah, so so that would be the regular maker's mark, not the expensive version. Right? So so when I'm walking down the street and I notice that all the houses have similar characteristics, do I conclude that they came from a, a, a common 
uh, house and design or that they had the same builder. The same builder, I would assume, yeah, but, or at least the same architect. But here's here's the conundrum: is that you can't tell the difference when you're looking at the 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 ev- the evidence of say uh, the genetic code. So we share a lot of genetic structure, same genetic code with chimpanzees and other higher apes. Uh, does that mean we have a common ancestor, or does that mean we have a common maker? You know, you really can't tell the difference between those two things. I was actually intrigued at seminary. I, I took a class. Let that settle in for a second. I'm, on, I'm savoring uh, it like a lozenge, Craig. Uh, science and Christianity with uh, Dr. Bob Weiss, one of my buddies. And uh, one of the things that I was really interested to find out is that we also share a lot of common DNA with trees and plants. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you're going to try to push that, there's there's still a lot of commonality with pretty much any carbon base. Well, yeah, that's true. And even to say 96% commonality with chimpanzees, which is about what it is, uh, 4% makes a big difference when you're talking genome. Well, sure. But, I mean, there are some interesting puzzles in the genetic code, like our inability to synthesize vitamin C, which is actually a gene turned off which we share with higher apes but not other mammals. <laughs> so kind of go figure. Yeah, I, I think I think it it's basically to support the Florida orange juice industry. But that's 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 just my theory. Here's a here's a sentence worth pondering. If you accept an all natural scientific origin as truth, you will chuck the spiritual truth that is attached to the supernatural origins of the world in Genesis, says Tony Breeden, defending Genesis founder and author of its letter on creation. I don't think that's necessarily true. No, I don't know where he got that idea. Well, th- this is the usual opposition. Uh, th- that's why you know evolution is seen as an opponent to Christianity, whereas the evolutionary model is simply a scientific model uh, that, that subscribes to the rule of you can only I- invoke natural causes. And so it's, uh, scientifically, you can only accept an all-natural explanation for origins. Um, if you're going to view it spiritually that is from above uh, according to revelation then all kinds of things are possible including god created it but scientifically you couldn't be able you wouldn't be able to tell that so i, I love uh, I, I don't love really this. blame i don't really blame people for holding uh to an evolutionary model as the best explanation for the data just don't turn that into a religion or use it to basically discredit the authority of the scriptures. That's a different perspective entirely. But I find that this is interesting that atheism has taken on a totally religious aspect. And and not just atheism, but there's also scientific heresy and scientific orthodoxy out there that uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. some schools of science will— you know, if you cross a certain line, all of a sudden you won't get your PhD. I have a good friend who who crossed that line and didn't get his. Seriously, PhD what, what's the, what? What are the details without naming names? What What did he do? What line did he cross? And uh, what happened he, to him? He was doing a double PhD in nuclear chemistry and physics. Okay. And in his dissertation, he uh, addressed the evolutionary. Uh, science and showed that there were gaps in it and and serious problems that needed to be addressed. Well, what specifically of his research neither physics or nuclear chemistry brought up gaps in the evolu- in 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 the, the the I I think it wasn't necessarily evolution but more of the origins of of creation like the big bang kind of thing or something like that. Oh. I really don't know what the specifics were. He he told me back in the 
late 80s and uh, a lot of brain cells have died between now and see i'm kind of interested in that because because as one who studied chemistry um evolution was a non-starter for us is irrelevant totally irrelevant like i said i don't think that it was uh, actually evolution as much as uh, big bang theory and uh, origins of creation most of the scientists that i know who also are christians um uh, are defensive about evolution, not because it affects their science, but because they they are resistant to the intrusion of philosophy or theological concepts into into the scientific method. That's their problem, you know. And I I, I share a concern with them that that good science does not invoke God or miracle. You know that what was that that Stanley Harris cartoon where he's got a bunch of equations on the board, and then at step three it says then a miracle occurred. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the fellow scientist says, I think you need to be a little bit more explicit here in step three. Um, you know, that's not the way that's not the way science thinks. And and so so I, I concur with that. You, you don't say you can't say that because it contradicts the Bible in within a sort of a scientific discussion. You know, okay. if if if, a, if scientific observation contradicts the Bible, so be it. Galileo went down that road, as did Copernicus. You know what they what they posited about the the Earth going around the sun rather than the Earth being the center of things, the sun being the center. Um, you know th- this this was considered contrary to the scriptures and undermined the authority of the scriptures. And uh, yeah, well, you know we know how that played out. So just because an observation seems to, seems appears to contradict the scriptures doesn't mean you know that you either throw out the scriptures or you throw out the observation. That's the problem. Bill is a um dynamic presence he when it, uh, he enjoys being the center of everything i do very much you know I, I happy go back da- to happy darwin day craig happy darwin day you you creature you uh religious groups have also called for commemorating the day i love this one the clergy letter project initiated in 2004 has garnered over 13,000 signatories christian jew buddhist unitarian universalists to a letter that calls evolution a foundational scientific truth. The project eventually led to the formation of Evolution Sunday, <laughs> which later became Evolution Weekend. Weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bill, what color is Evolution Sunday? I, I think it should be kind I, I think it should be green, really. Uh very, very <laughs> very green. I, why? Why? Why would they do that? I don't um, know. Evolution Sunday. We were just talking about, uh, you know, these these Sunday dedication things, like uh, you know, this Sunday, that Sunday, Evolution Sunday. But I noticed that that Sunday is not enough. It can't contain the joy, so it has to be Evolution Weekend. The <laughs> the, the joy of evolution. It, it's a know. it's a, it's a very dire sort of thing. You know, I, I'll tell you. I mean, bottom line is. It, just stepping back from it, and, and I'm not even arguing the science here so much. There's all kinds of evidence. I, I would encourage people to really look, look, look for look for the strongest arguments for evolution. Those are, those people are trying to argue against it, and look to see what evolutionists say would would kind of clinch the argument against them. I, I think that's that's a better, uh, more productive route to go. But I, I just have my imagination struggles to to fathom how some single cell protoplasmic thing you know some some just some single cell is twitching along and then out of that comes like everything 
You just don't have enough of an imagination. It, it, to me, yeah, the other thing that, that puzzles me is how come human beings are the bad guy in all of this? So we're causing all these species to go extinct. I thought this was a good idea, natural selection. Hey, if you can't, <laughs> if you can't tough it out, you don't deserve to live. So, you know, like I, I want to run that by a Greenpeace person sometime. You know, I, why, I should I, why should I save something that just can't adapt? Okay. I did that. I did that. It was great. I was, it was at a mall out there in Southern California, and the Greenpeacers were out there getting petitions for something or other. And it was a save save the whales or save the dolphins. I can't remember which. And I pretty much asked the guy, I said, why? Why, why would you do Don't you believe in natural selection? Don't you believe in survival of the fittest? These are obviously creatures that are too low on the food chain to keep going. And since I am at the top of the food chain because I'm mechanized, I have guns, I have weapons— I can determine what needs to go and what needs to stay because I am at the top of the food I, chain. Now, I, got, dolphins, I got dominion, baby. I got that's dominion. Right. And, and when the dolphins or whales get thumbs and build their own weapons and kill me, then they get to decide. But but at this point, unless you're one of those Christians, you're not one of those, are you? Those creationist types because you know they might have different oh, different see, that's, on this. That's nasty. That's, a, that's just <laughs> and right I kept there. throwing that out there. You're, you're not one of those creationists, are you? And I said, but, you know, if, if you're a good evolutionist, you should understand they need to die to make room for what's going to come next. <laughs> the guy's just like, you can see like <laughs> could, his brain's frying. I, I could see the jaw hanging slack <laughs> open. You know, it's just, I've never heard such things before. It, it, it's it just, was a good time. It it's, was great. It's, you know, it, it, this is a case of, I think, very broad extrapolation that an observation how species adapt uh, somewhat – you know, the human species is incredibly adaptable. It gets too cold. Uh, you know, we invent heating. Uh, gets too warm. Central air, baby. Um, everybody else has to migrate or die. Well, uh, but in nature, you do find layers. Layers, Layering is good. It got layers me through my last... Nature. Layers Layers got me through my last week in Chicago when it was four below. I mean, this I, is, I, I packed layers. My dog sheds like no tomorrow <laughs> yeah, because he's cats. got an undercoat. Yeah, my cats and too. They, they, so, so when it's hot, he sheds the undercoat. When it's cold... It beefs up, but but this grand scheme that somehow it 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 all came from, if not nothing, then very little, uh, all by itself. I, I find this really this this just stretches the imagination, the scientific imagination. Is how could this possibly happen? Here's the problem: and the question of origins is never going to be entirely nailed by science because science, when it looks backward, um, science is nearsighted. It 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 sees very clearly. In, in the near, like carbon dating is really good for archaeology um, because in, in the near term, it's quite good. But the further out you get, the farther away you get from your present position, the, the blurrier it all gets. And, and origins are just tough. You can't go and say certain things couldn't possibly uh, have caused this because we don't believe they exist. It, that's just the you know this you can't prove that. Um, in the end, I think the whole debate is like a it's about as exciting as a chess game that's been played to draw. Yeah, I'm I'm getting bored about the whole conversation. Yeah, here, you, you know how you ever watch a chess game go to draw? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and then both sides say, "Well, you know, I played the better game. It was a draw." Yeah, and so it's either in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, or in the beginning mostly nothing became everything all by itself. Take your pick. 
Hey, we've got seven minutes left. Let's go to the marriage. What's love got to do with it? Historically, very little. I've got a little music here for it. All right. Oh, love and marriage. Is this Frank? It is. Love and marriage, love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage This I tell you, brother You can't have one without the other On Valentine's Day, American husbands and wives of every age, faith, and region Will shower their beloved. <laughs> I was thinking that I was going to say religion, but no. it's faith and region. Uh, will shower their beloveds with symbols of undying affection: flowers, chocolates, moonlit dinners, and kisses. Mylar balloons. And then uh, later, the author of this piece says, "Any link between love and matrimony is relatively recent," said Stephanie Kuntz, who teaches history and family studies at Evergreen State College University. Uh, campus in olympia washington very nice words now very nice you know it's it's true though isn't it that the whole idea of marrying for love this this eros is is pretty new it used to always be arranged marriages didn't it yeah you married for money money or political power which are really political alliances those are really good reasons because they'll keep you married because you got a lot to lose if 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 this doesn't work out i think it was robert farrar capon who uh, points out that it was the victorians we talked about them earlier who tried to bring romance into marriage where previously you saved romance for your extramarital affairs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know the same the same same gal writes this i got a quote from her the, the Greeks, romance is for the concubines not yeah, for the wife yeah Come on. yeah but, but if you think about it if if and i think eros is uh, romance is just another name for eros but but that's a very fleeting thing you know that's not the love that the bible talks about uh, agape that self-sacrificing act of will uh, eros, at least in eros without sin, eros is the result of the word "be fruitful and multiply." It's it's an impulse created by the creative word, uh, but when you couple it with sin, it just becomes lust, and and well, you know, you know what happens there. But she writes, the Greeks thought love sickness was a type of insanity. I love it. A view that was adopted by medieval commentators <laughs> in Europe. In the Middle Ages, the French defined love as a derangement of the mind. That could be cured by sexual intercourse, either with a loved one or with a different partner. <laughs> oh, the French. Okay, so there, there you go. <laughs> you know what? You see these same attitudes in Canada. That's all I'm saying. Too much Take love, that, Rudy. Too much love was thought to be a real threat to the institution of marriage. You know, Craig, as a pastor, how many times do you hear it? You know, oh, I don't love him anymore. Therefore, I'm right. leaving. Therefore, I'm I leaving. I fell out of love. I how fell, do you out, fell out, of, out of love. You know, I'm worried about falling into love because falling involves a, a, a total loss of control. Ooh. So maybe point. the Greeks were right. It's insanity. You know, you've lost control of all your. You know, you remember this when you remember those those like intense love things when you were in, in high school or something like that, where like you couldn't eat, you couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. You were, I mean, if you had to live like this, they'd have to institutionalize you or put you on drugs or something. Well, and that's the point, isn't it? That that I lost that puppy love. What that really means is I, I'm not. I I'm grew not up bothered over that person so much anymore. <laughs> I've already slept with them, and now I've kind of realized they're just human. Hey, four kids and a mortgage, and that's the end of that. <laughs> 
You know, you know, we're all, we're all, where do all romance novels end? They get married. That proves to me that marriage is the end of romance. (laughs) That's, that's. I I use this line from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's uh, sermon that he wrote from his prison cell for his nephew. But it's a really great line. And he says, love has brought you to the threshold of marriage. And from this point on, marriage will sustain your love. See, so this romantic love that borders on insanity uh, can bring you to the threshold of marriage. But, but in marriage, you, you grow into a deeper love that can be had no other way than in this lifelong commitment. And it's, it's decidedly unromantic. You know what was amazing is how I knew Paula was the right woman for me. I didn't have the craziness. There was no insanity involved with it. There was just simply, hey, there's a cute girl who's like my best friend in the whole wide world here. I actually enjoy spending time with her, and there's no drama. Oh, the lack and, of the lack of melodrama. Yeah, and it's like you know what? It Some was people just like melodrama, though. Pleasant togetherness that wasn't insane, and it was like, wow, hey, uh, all, all that other stuff was just kind of nuts, wasn't it? You know, they point out that Adam and Eve had, in effect, an arranged marriage. Well, their options were pretty limited, I would say. You know, arranged marriages are coming back in some circles. I, I've I've kind of heard talk about. Yeah, that I thing. actually have another article here that you don't know about. Uh, oh, and I trying to get, get a tactical advantage here? Is no, that... no, no. I I've just you know with the other show that I've been doing, I've just print, been printing out all sorts of stuff. You're you're a, a vast of. Uh, of cesspool of resources. I am. I am. My parents arranged my marriage, and I'm cool with that. This is an article about Moonies and their whole prearranged marriage. Oh, the thing. Moonies. I'll let you look that one up on uh, Religious News Service. That's that's all good. We've got about a minute left, Bill. Uh, let's wrap up this whole uh, love thing. I, I do <laughs> want to point wrap. out that the Bible speaks about this kind of crazy, horny love in Does it? Uh, Jacob and Rachel. <laughs> and the kind of trouble that it got Jacob into. Uh, well, he loved her. Kind of like uh, she was, you know, fourteen years. She was or whatever beautiful, and to. and Leah was hard on the eyes. And yeah, and, but and, fourteen and years. Uncle dude. Laban was was a was a, a shyster. He was, <laughs> but you know, Jacob was a was a heel grabbing, conniving little twit too. You know, this and is most certainly true. I love you, I love the whole story for all of its twists and turns and nuances. It, 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 it is funny beautiful. that you. You reap what you sow, isn't it? it and and, you know. and and this is the this is this is how God take, brings forward the promised seed of Abraham to its fulfillment in the Christ is is guys like Jacob. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Just and, real quick, I, I think to to wrap that up also uh to think yeah, you're in you a wrapping up Christ, you think this was like Christmas or something. You're wrapping everything up. <laughs> to 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 consider that you are the bride of Christ. Uh, do you no. really think you're that no, hot? No, 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 you know, no, Are you no, really no. that hot? We all together corporately are. Individuals are not the bride of Christ. Don't creep me out. You are part of the bride of Christ. Uh, 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 oh. you, you are the appendix. We don't know Please, what you're here for. don't even go down that road. <laughs> You've been listening to God Whispers. Come back next and week for more of our insanity. Now you are basic sorry. idiocy. Yes. <laughs> there will be meetings. Good night, Dad. Bye, Mr. McKenzie. Fine, go, you stadium hours. We got a groovy kind of love. Adieu, adieu.
parting is such sweet sorrow. Anytime you want to, you can turn me on to anything you want to. Anything My mind is a raging torrent. When I taste your lips.